my goal with this community is that when you go into a tap room, you see a mix of faces, that everybody's there. Everybody's enjoying the community because the brewing community is so welcoming. You just got to get in there. I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina, a weekly podcast from the Post and Courier. That was April Dove you heard at the top of today's episode, talking about the change she wants to see in Charleston's craft beer community. She describes herself as a bit of a unicorn in her field. She's black and she's a woman, two things that aren't seen too often in the craft beer world. April recently teamed up with David White Jr. of The Dropping Pin and Chris Brown, head brewer at Holy City Brewing in North Charleston, to brew and launch a new beer, The Community. Their goal long-term is to see more diversity in Charleston's tap rooms. Our new food editor at the Post and Courier, Parker Milner, has a new story that takes a look at the lack of diversity present now in Charleston's beer scene. Of the 35 breweries in the region, none are Black-owned. His story also gets into some of the history of the region's beer culture and features some of the people who are envisioning a different and more welcoming future for it. We'll link that story in today's show notes, but on today's podcast, you'll hear directly from April and David about their experiences in breweries, how they came to brew their own beer, and what they think needs to happen to brew more unity into Charleston's beer community. My name is David White Jr. I'm born and raised right here in Charleston, South Carolina. I've been the founder and the man behind The Dropping Pin for about five years now. And I'm April Dove. I am from Goose Creek, South Carolina. I am the owner and founder of The Traveling Hoptista, which is about a year and a half old. So how did each of you get into craft beer? I grew up on the east side, but I think my first time experiencing a brewery in craft beer was at uh, Palmetto Brewery right there on Hugie Street. I've always been kind of exploring the food and beer scene here in Charleston. I realized that breweries for me was a new thing. So I kind of got interested in, in that story. So I started checking out different breweries. I got into beer in 2012. I went to Stuttgart, Germany for two weeks to visit a friend and was one of the best experiences I've ever had. German beer was just good. It was crisp. It was everything I could want in a beer. That was 2012. And then I came back to the States and was a nurse because I'm a nurse by trade, ER nurse. And I didn't really like boom into the craft beer scene probably till 2016 when I was in Cape Cod and we went to uh, Portland, Maine for a trip, a three-day trip. And we did 13 breweries in three days and fell in love with Allagash and was like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And that kind of like spiraled everything and made me go to all these breweries all the time. Wherever I traveled to, I was always at breweries. Came home last year, was actually at Monkle by myself. And saw David and his friend walk in and I was like, who's that other black person that's in this brewery? And I like ran down to the to the cashier and was like, I want to pay for his beers. And I'm like, well, he's already paid for beers. I'm like, okay, we'll put two more on me or whatever. And that's how I met David because he was the other black guy in the brewery. And I was like, I got to get to know you. Like, it was really cool to see him in there. And that's when we kind of like became friends. So how did y'all go from meeting each other at Munkle to brewing a beer together? I think we both had a passion for not just a bear but like having us black people in spaces like this i think we just got to the point where it was like where are all the black people in charleston i was excited when i came up with a recipe for the community the first one the american lager and i think i went to david's one of his nonprofit nights at holy city and like pulled him aside and was like i've got something big i've got something really really cool that i want you to be with me on this because you know i had just stopped traveling nursing and come to charleston so i didn't have that 
key to the black communities and I knew he did. So that's why I wanted to collab with him because I knew that he could bring, he could get people in these spaces that I don't think I could do on my own. I kind of knew that I was able to gather people. That's always been like my thing. I've been doing uh, meetups with the dropping pin um, and it just pretty much started off as millennials, black millennials already gathering in spaces that we don't normally patronize. I can gather people, you know, the, the signs of the bear and just together. We just made the perfect team. April, you're a graduate of the American Brewers Guild. Why did you decide to study beer and to take that time to go to school and really immerse yourself in it? I went to uh, Cicerone Certified Beer Servers class. That was a 12-week program that was put on by the Black Beer Chick out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was just the basis of knowing the basis of beer. And I realized that, like, I wanted to know more about beer that they were able to offer me in the Certified Beer Server exam. And I was like, I want to know why we're mashing. I want to know why we're doing it this time. I want to know why we're moving this to this and this to that and that to this. I was like thinking about it and toying with it. And my friend at the time was like, you know, you should really go to beer school. And I'm like, are you sure? I don't know if I can really do it. But I was really excited that I did it because I learned so much. And I got to learn the biochemistry of malting and why malting happens and what happens with the water when the water goes into the malt. I got to do like the physics part of it where like learning how to like build a brew house and got to learn the financial gain of it as well too and learning how to make money off a of beer. Let's break down that beer you created together. First, the taste. How did you decide what you wanted your beer to taste like? Basically, I had drank Heineken because I knew black people drank Heineken and I drank Heineken for a month just to like dissect it and get it into my palate. You drink a beer and you smell it, you taste it, you live it, you swirl it in your mouth, you do all these things, you do all these road tests basically to get down to the formulas, like what's in this beer? Most beers, you don't get the ingredients for it. So you have to kind of figure out what's in it. When I drink a Heineken, I got that corny nose, I got that corny flavor, I got bitterness, I've got malt wheat, I've got honey, I've got, you know, some biscuity flavors. And I was just like, all right, so I know what flavors I've gotten. Now I got to put it to paper and try to figure out the malts that will give me that. We made that recipe. We, you know, put the, put all the different malts in. We used, you know, slightly bittering hops, not too bitter because we didn't want it to be like too of a bitter bomb. But our main goal with the beer was to have a beer that basically you drink it, it coats your mouth and it goes away and it dissipates within two to three seconds so that you're always having to go back to drink more of it. What about the name? Where did the name come from? I came up with the community name because I knew that I wanted the beer is a beer community. And I wanted the community to also remind you that when you when you drink this beer, that you rem- you remember your community, like the times where you're out having a block party with your friends and your family. And then also, you know, Holy City is based in a, a black community. So I wanted to make sure that, that that community name was was there. And, you know, we blackened it up, I guess you could say, by changing the E to an A. But it was just like, it's the community. It's a community that you drink this beer in and you have a good time and you have good memories and you think about those days that you've had the block parties and all that type of stuff. And in the word community on the beer, the unity part is bold and in all caps. What was the meaning behind that? Unity was a big thing to have that bold because we're uniting people through a liquid and we're taking that liquid and we're bringing unity together. And that unity is coming to your breweries, sitting in your tap rooms that you've never had before. And not only uh, that part of the, the logo, but if you you know zoom in, you can see that um, Alex, our um, graphic designer, she actually has like people in the logo and that she shows us, you know, congregating, having a good time drinking the beer. You released the beer at the beginning of October. What was that experience like? 
So we had a release party on October 1st at Holy City. We had a great turnout. Yeah. I mean, I was taken aback when I saw the people. I was like, you know, you get there at the very beginning and there's like a little bit of people and, and then people just started flooding in and flooding in. He was mingling and I was mingling and I was inside and I was outside. And then finally we got to the stage and there, I just remember looking out and there was just all of these black faces. And I was just like, when did you guys get here? Because I've been here all night and I have been just oblivious, you know, and it was so good to see, you know, and it was like that feeling like, yes, we finally did it. Like, we can do that. This is something that we can do. And these weren't bear experts. These were people that were curious about brewery and bears. And I think that's, you know, my personal goal to kind of educate people that don't know or that didn't go to brewery school. Sometimes they don't feel comfortable in going places that they're, they're a lot of these places. So that's always been my personal goal. Was there a particular moment for either of you where you thought, okay, this is this is working. You know, we're seeing our idea really play out in real life. I took a few cases to homecoming. And I think homecoming for, especially the black community, is like a family reunion type style. So a lot of people that came to, out to the launch event asked me to bring it. So I was like, okay, that's good because they, you know, they re- remember what it was. They are looking forward to it at homecoming. And I think, you know, we tailgating, eating, grow food. It was just for me personally, that was just like my, my moment. I was like, I have a bear that I, you know, I'm a part of at my homecoming. This is my moment. <laughs> so that was it for me. I would say for me, it was like when I was there. So when I was at the release party, like I was like the mingler throughout of all of it. And it's really hard because like I go back for the pictures and I'm like, there are hardly any pictures of me. But because I was like mingling with so many people and I met these two older black women that I would have never expected to have been there. They could have probably been my mom or been close to my grandparents. And they were out there drinking and they were like, girl, this reminds me of me sitting with my girlfriend drinking ice, ice house and drinking you know, cold 40. And I'm just like, that was to me was like, if I could reach their palettes and get them to come out to a young event that I was expecting more millennials and people of my age of 30, that's just a lot. Just all these people were coming out and they were just coming out to support the event and to be there. And they were like, look at what you did. Look at all these diverse people that you brought in here. It was, it was something that literally I would have never thought a beer could have reached. And, but that's what you want. You want your beer to reach everybody. How would you describe Charleston's beer community today? So I would say, like, the beer community right now is welcoming. It's welcoming, you know. Is it as welcoming as it could be? No. But it is welcoming. I mean, we went to Chris with a recipe. I went to Chris with a recipe, and he brewed my recipe with, like, no questions. Not even asking us to pay for anything, just brewed it. I've been in the, the brewery scene because I've had to do my apprenticeship at Low Tide, and it was welcoming. First black woman to work at Low Tide. Welcoming. No problems there. Worked at Rusty Bull for eight weeks. Did an internship. Welcoming. But what you see is white faces. You may see a speckle here of a brown or black face, but it's mostly just white faces. My goal with this community is that when you go into a tap room, you see a mix of faces. That everybody's there. Everybody's enjoying the community because the brewing community is so welcoming. You just got to get in there. And I think it takes a lot for the brewery and the brewer itself and the owners to make sure that they're educating their staff to educate other people. What happens is you get a black person that comes to a brewery, they're lost. They're looking at the, all these beers and they're like, I don't know what any of that is. I don't know what any of that tastes like. I, I don't know what any of this is. And you get them coming to the bar and the bartender's like, what do you drink? And they're like, Bud Light. And they're like, oh, you just want something light? And it gives them a beer. But what that bartender didn't do was educate them on Okay, well, you like Bud Light, but what do you like about Bud Light? Do you like the taste? Do you like the mouthfeel? 
actually taking that time to understand their palate. And that takes a little bit of time. And I understand you're on a busy Friday night. You don't really have time to do that, but someone has to do it. Because instead of just giving a black person a light beer because that's what they drank, you just close them off to all different types of beers. Like she said, going through what this beer is and why do you like it brings them back. We want people to go to these breweries and stay there and not just, you know, come out on October 1st and leave and never come back. We want this to be a continuing conversation. We'll be right back with more after this quick message. Hi, I'm Taylor Istabo, and I'm an audience engagement producer for The Post and Courier. Our digital team makes sure the paper's journalism gets to you through our newsletters, social media accounts, and website. We put a lot of thought into what tweet will communicate the most important information from a story, or might make you laugh. And we know the news. We're constantly monitoring the biggest stories of the day and figuring out how to get that information to you. When you subscribe, you're supporting that work. Visit postandcourier.com slash subscribe today. We've talked a little bit about what breweries need to do to bring in a more diverse customer base, right? The people who are actually coming into the brewery and buying their beer. But ownership is a big part of it too, right? There are a lot of breweries in the Charleston region, 35. None of them are black owned. Let's talk a little bit about that. How big is that ownership piece to you? That's huge. I think we were, I think we've been talking about it a little bit more now, you know, especially after the release and seeing how successful it was. I mean, we sold out all of our beer last week or the week before, you know, and that's crazy. Now we're going to other breweries and trying to brew it. And now I'm just kind of like, if we're going to be having all these beers and doing all these things, we need to have a space that people can get these beers all the time. And we're not, we're not waiting for the breweries to brew them. It may not be a brewery. It's probably not going to be as big as Edmund's O's or anything like that, but it'll be a small little nano brewery. That was what I'm thinking. Just a place where it's a tap room and it has different taps and it has all we supply is the community. You know, we got a one, two barrel system in the back that's easily manageable by one person. You don't need to hire a whole bunch of people. And we brew on that. You know, that is, because this has become so popular, has been the next, like, furriest thing I'm thinking in my mind. You know, I'm thinking about recipes and I'm thinking about the next thing we're going to do. But now it's like, oh, I got to think a little bit more long term. We want this to be a continuing, continued conversation. And not just like um, last summer when it, when all the breweries posted the black square on Instagram. I have the conversation about reinvesting in communities. I mean, there are so many nonprofits and small organizations, grassroots organizations that can benefit from something, fundraiser or uh, something that can, you know, benefit, you know, disadvantaged, displaced people. What do you think existing breweries in the area should be doing? What can they be working on right now? Yeah, let's start by brewing the community. <laughs> we can start there. But now, like April said, education. Like she mentioned, there could be a lot of black people that go into breweries that don't know what they're looking for. Having a conversation, I think I have a friend, Donovan, he's a DJ. So I have him on a continued, I guess, a continual schedule as, you know, having hip hop music. Just being able to, you know, cater to the black patrons that, I mean, we like the beer, but we want to hear something that we could, that's going to keep us in the brewery. I think just starting there, having breweries, bartenders be educated, breweries be educated on, you know, who, especially the communities, like April said, the communities that they're in. Most of these community breweries are in communities where black people were thriving at one point. Just education and being open to trying things. We're challenging the brewery owners is to educate your staff so that they can educate other people. That is what's going to bring more people in. Black, white, green, blue. It's going to bring them all in if you can educate them and they can educate someone else. So you talked a little bit about your long-term 
goals. What's next? Next is our next collab. We're working with Frothy Beard. We're doing a Tahitian treat sour with them. Tahitian treat was something that I drank as a kid. It was like a treat. And I think a lot of black people drink Tahitian treat. It was usually found at the bottom with the juices and the Kool-Aids when you went to the gas station. But it was that one bread soda that everybody can know and everybody, you know, everybody can hear it and taste it and all that kind of stuff. So when I brew beers, I brew, brew, brew beers so people can have the memory. So that, that Tahitian treat sour takes them back to when they were young and drinking Tahitian treat outside with their friends, riding bicycles, doing all that kind of stuff. So every beer that I brew and every recipe I brew brings back a memory. Let's revisit that earlier question about what Charleston's beer community looks like now. What would you want it to look like in, say, five years? Holy City has said to me that they have seen more Black faces in their brewery. Since our beer has come out, they have seen more, more of those faces. I think in five years, I wanted to see it where I don't walk into a brewery and it's just me and David. I want to see other people there. I want a space where people feel comfortable to come in and be like, you know, Shopping Hot Pizza said I can come here and ask for beer and you're going to give me a recommendation and not just tell me I'm giving you a light beer. That you would actually sit down and you would take a couple moments to try to help me figure out what beer I like. That's what I want to see. I want people to try flights and try different beers. That's the goal. You know, having seminars or whatever and hop tastings and just just being out in the public, just a meetup. You know, a meetup's even fine. So doing those things and having those things continuously going, continuing the education for people. And I just also want to add again that we're not just about beer. We're about community and being in spaces. So definitely to continue the conversation by having events, education. But I do not want it to get lost that we're just brewing beer. We, we want to carry a message and we just happen to have beer with it. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that's a good a good point because, you know, I'm learning about this community and I'm learning about what is lost in these communities. I have been so beer focused and I've been beer focused for the last year and a half that all I think about is producing beer, producing beer, producing beer. But, you know, since this event, people have been coming up to us and just asking us, you know, how do you think I can help or, you know, how could you help us, you know, be more present? And, and David's really helping me see that and, and learn about that. And I think that's really cool. You know, we have big plans in the future and we want to make sure that we are making sure everybody's invited and welcomed, black, white, brown, blue, whatever color, and that the community stays alive and that, you know, it's not just about beer, but it's also about making these spaces available for people to come in and not feel uncomfortable because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. There's no reason to be at a tap room and feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable and you really want to go to a brewery and there's no one to go with you, hit me up. I will go to a brewery with you. For sure. And, and breweries in Charleston doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. So we, I think they are here to stay and we would like to be too. All right, that's all for today. For more, check out food editor Parker Milner's story, which we will link in today's show notes. I also highly recommend you read the series that Jamal Lemon wrote for Good Beer Hunting, which gets into some of the history behind the lack of diversity in Charleston's current beer culture through the story of a German beer festival that was held in Charleston and that festival's continued influence on the region's beer scene. We will also link that in today's show notes. Like April and David said, their beer did sell out, but you will be able to find it again soon. They said they'll be brewing it again in December, and it should be available in early 2022. You can follow April on Instagram at TravelingHoptista, follow David's blog at The Dropping Pin, and you can follow their beer on Instagram at TheCommunity.Brew. 
If you have comments, questions, or ideas for this podcast, email us at understandsc at postandcareer.com or message us on Twitter at understandsc. Thanks for listening to Understand South Carolina by The Post and Courier. To support local journalism and learn more about The Post and Courier's Sustainable Journalism Fund, please go to postandcourier.com slash donate.